Thanks for joining us. We love getting to share the message of God's grace with the entire world. If his message has impacted your life, would you share your testimony with us by emailing it to stories at graceorlando.com. We love to hear what God is up to. You can also give in support of this ministry by going to our website and clicking on the give button at graceorlando.com. Thanks again. Good morning. This is not at all the way I planned this or wanted this, and yet thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being with us online this morning. Uh, We are going to continue this series, but before we get to that, I just wanted to say thanks for understanding and being with us during this time at home. I know that there's a lot of different feelings on this. There's a lot of different emotions about this, and I would just say thanks for for encouraging us and walking with us through this. Uh, Again, this is an upside-down Christmas, if there ever was one, uh, and we're just trusting God with it. Can Can I just tell you, I really felt the Lord tell me this this morning, is that even at home, okay, even amongst what would be perceived as weakness, right, the fact that, that why isn't the church coming together even during this, I really felt like God was telling me to share with you that, that the Lord is going to do something powerful in your living room today. So right there at home, whether you're on your phone or you're on your computer or you're watching on TV, if the kids are running in and out of the room and they're not listening, and look, I got three kids, I get it, okay? So just trust me, even in the midst of that weakness, let's, let's see what God has for us today because I'm believing that he does have something awesome for you right now. Lord, I pray and I ask that you would share that word with us this morning. God, that that be something birthed within us. Uh, Lord, that's the way you do. You, you speak into our innermost being and create life. So God, I pray for all of those listening this morning that need life, all of those this morning that are looking for healing, all of those this morning that are looking for encouragement and they're sitting at home and the kids are driving them crazy. Lord, I pray especially for those people right now and I pray that they would hear your words, that they would see you today and be encouraged. In Jesus' name, amen. I know kids don't drive anyone crazy. I know that's, that's just crazy in and of itself, but uh, they're perfect. Anyway, uh, this morning we're going to continue this series on Upside Down Christmas, okay? We've been talking about how uh, everything back in year zero even seemed to be upside down. And by the way, if you haven't caught in the main theme of living on the earth, it's always upside down. Like this world is troublesome, and, and Jesus said you're not going to get away from that. In fact, that's just living here. But to take heart, because he goes with us, right? Emmanuel, you heard that this morning, God with us. You are never going to be alone, and that's what he shows us through all the different pieces, right? He, he comes as a king, and yet doesn't seem like he has a crown, and yet he shows that he made us his crown. He's a priest who doesn't have a temple because it gets destroyed. Well, that's because he was making us his temple. Uh, We looked at uh, uh, the giver without a gift. I forgot the first part of the series. He was a giver who seemingly didn't have a gift, but the gift he was giving was himself. He was giving us faith. He was giving us the ability to believe in him, right? You have to first believe that God is real and that we can approach him, and so he shows us that through Jesus. So through every single thing that looked one way, it ended up being another way, and I want to do that one more time, at least with you this morning, and talk about how he was a shepherd but where were his sheep? Like, how are you a good shepherd and you, you've never once been out there watching over sheep? Like, confusing, and we'll take a look at it together. But it begins with this in Isaiah 40, verse 11. <clears throat> like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arm, he will gather the lambs and carry them in his bosom. He will great, uh, gently lead the nursing ewes. So I love this picture of, of him as a shepherd, of, of 
catch his heart in that, okay? Isaiah is writing these words down. Uh, he's trying to capture something. And, and what I love is, is that what we're hearing straight from him is that I'm a shepherd who tends to my flock. I love to pick up the little lambs and carry them, you know? I love to, to help the, the, the mothers. I, I, I'm a nurturing kind of God. Like, that's who I am, and I am your shepherd. Like, this was the promise that God had given us is that not only were we going to get a shepherd, but the shepherd would be the greatest shepherd ever. And in fact, would kind of resemble David in some ways. You remember David? You remember what kind of shepherd he was like? We're going to draw some comparisons today between David and Jesus. David was this sort of type of Christ or a shadow of what was coming, right? In the same way that the law was a shadow of good things to come, David was a shadow of even greater things to come, uh, and the ultimate shepherd who is Jesus. So we're going to take a look at that in just a few minutes. But what I want you to catch is that Jesus fulfilled all of these different offices. He took back every single title that man had taken on. So, for example, God didn't want kings for us, but we did. We wanted one person to rule over us. And God ultimately knew that he was all authority. So he knew that this was a shadow again. He wants us to have reality. So in the same way as he took back the, the title of king. He's the king of all kings, right? He took back the title of priest. He is the high priest. There's nobody else that comes close. Uh, he's the ultimate giver. He took back that title. He's not a taker. He's not, God doesn't need anything that you have. You... <laughs> I, I, I love that one, because you don't have anything to offer him anyway, okay? You're a sheep. The shepherd's good. Like, he's here to take care of you, and he took back that title as well. He is the shepherd. He took back all of the offices. Now, why was this important? Well, because there were a lot of priests that were saying that they were the shepherd, that they were, and they were pe keeping people under legalism. They were keeping people uh, just locked down under something that was never meant to be the way that it was. Like God didn't give us the law thinking that even once we would be able to keep it, and yet these shepherds were saying, oh no, you, only ha you have to keep it all perfectly even though they were not. And so there was this, this real issue that Jesus had to come and solve, and so he comes as our good shepherd to clean it all up. Now if you back up, you remember the prophet Samuel, okay, all the way back with Saul, we get the, the, the kings and all of this different stuff starts to happen. And Samuel, he, he's brokenhearted. You remember he, he really loves Saul, and, and here Saul is, 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 is blown it. I mean, he's utterly blown it, and so this is, he's, God comes to him and says, look, don't, don't cry over Saul anymore. Instead, I want you to go to Bethlehem, this little shepherd town, like this little town where nobody thought anything good was ever going to come from there. Like, I want you to go to Bethlehem, and I want you to go there, and I want you to find a king who I have chosen that's there. And you remember this story where he, he goes and, and, and Jesse brings out all of his kids, you know, and the big, I, I imagine some of these dudes were ripped, you know, and they're like, obviously I should be king, you know, and, and they go through all of them, right? And then it gets down to the last guy and he goes, I, I don't know what's going on. God's not told me any of these guys are the one. And he says, well, I got this shepherd boy. He's out there in the fields, you know, and he says, bring him in. I'm telling y'all right now, I, don't, I clean carpet for a good portion of my life and, uh, as a carpet cleaner, and I can tell you whenever I would clean carpet that was made of wool, you could always tell what wool smelled like, okay? It had a different smell. If you've ever had a coat that was made of that that got wet, this dude came in smelling, okay? I'm telling you right now, he's been hanging out with sheep all day long. He comes in. He's not the most ripped. We know that because later on, Goliath's going to laugh at him, right? So David, the, the, the fighter of lions and tigers and bears, oh my, uh, wasn't actually that impressive. And so he comes in, and he gets anointed as king. See, here's the thing is that 
God is not, he doesn't look at things the way you and I do. He doesn't, he's not impressed with all of our emotional displays, okay? I, I love that sometimes we even think that maybe God won't move unless we shout at him and, 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 and shake our hands and, and turn tables over for him or something. And, and he's not moved by all of that. He's moved by your heart. He looks at the heart, and that's what moves God. That's what, that's what engages him. And so he looks at David, and he sees somebody who's different than Saul. Saul, as you remember, just stopped listening to God. David listens to God, and that's a huge deal to him. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. Joseph went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and the family of David in order to register along with Mary who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth. So fast forward from Samuel and David and all this stuff where he's being anointed with oil right here in the same fields and the same uh, uh, pastures as now Jesus is being born. Like, just imagine this, the, the person who was resembling Jesus, you know, David, all the way now to where you have Jesus being born, the fulfillment of the good shepherd was here. The fulfillment of every single office was here. That's why Leslie just shared you know, the, the, the nativity story, and we're going to talk about that, but you see why these shepherds were sitting there and the angels are singing, and all of this is happening in the same place that King David would sit there and watch over his sheep at night. I love this moment where he gets, he gets oil poured all over him and the power of God comes upon him. David would eventually, and you know this, he would fight lions. Have you ever been to the zoo? You ever seen a lion? Like, I don't know, man. I, I'm telling you, David wasn't trying to be big and tough when he would say these things. Like, I faced down a lion because I'm awesome, you know? Go look at a lion and then, and then think about what you're saying. Like, like this is an incredible thing. It was the power of God on him that enabled him to be able to tackle a lion, something that should not be possible. And, and, and maybe you would even ask yourself, well, as a shepherd, like, what's the big deal if you lose one of your sheep? I mean, come on, you've got how many different sheep? Can you really protect your entire flock? Is that really something that's important? Uh, uh, surely a thief or somebody would steal one every once in a while, and you'd kind of go, ah, well, we got, we got 99 others, right? Uh, well, if you, if, you, if you hear in my jesting here, it, it, it's not the way they thought. Like, shepherds looked at their sheep the way, I mean, even more so than we look at our dogs and cats. You know, we got animals, we got pets. One of those die, it's like losing a family member you got to understand to a shepherd, it, it meant even more because they were in charge over the protecting, the nurturing, the carrying, the watching. These guys named every single sheep and knew every single one of them and every single day would count and make sure everybody was present, everyone was there because they loved every single sheep. For God to say that David was a man after his own heart, I believe he was tapping into the shepherd. I believe he was tapping into the thoughts of, yes, just like David named all of his sheep and knew all of them and watched over them and was willing to lay his life down to fight lions and bears for them because they did mean something. God looks at us in the same exact way and he says, as the good shepherd, I'll lay my life down for you as well. I imagine David was out there practicing his slingshot skills, you know, sitting there practicing against trees. And he, was, he had a lot of time sitting out by himself. But what David learned in those times was that God was for him. God was on his team. Hear me this morning. Wherever you're sitting, whatever it is you're facing, whatever 
obstacle or Goliath is standing in your way. Hear me. God is for you. (laughs) Not your enemy, not the enemy, right? He is for you. He's walking with you, and he gives you power over the enemy in every area of your life. I love that God is for us, and he has a fondness for shepherds. Let's look at the verse that Leslie just shared with us in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. In the same region, okay, now remember, this is the same region that David sat and watched over his sheep. In the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terribly frightened, but the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people." For today in the city of David, there's been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloth lying in a food trough, a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. It's, it's of no accident that God chose to have the angelic choir open up all of heaven to show off to shepherds. He did this to shepherds because he understands the heart that they have and he relates to it and wanted us to see how important things are to him in a way that we don't uh, often appreciate. You don't think of a shepherd as like the glorious job, right? Like, wow, what a job of glory. No, we want to see kings and priests. And God doesn't go to kings and priests first. He comes right to the shepherds and says, hey, you guys get a little piece of what's really going on. And he shows them that this is not just going to be for some sheep. This is going to be for all the sheep of the entire world. Like it's not just peace for one group. It's peace for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. Everyone who receives him as their shepherd receives peace and rest. It's an incredible promise that we get. And he says that that peace began the moment Jesus stepped foot on the earth. The moment that he was back on the earth. The kingdom of God was present. His preferences were present. Peace was present. And that same thing exists for you and I today. Whatever it is we're facing, whatever feels upside down, peace on earth is here. It's not, we're not waiting on it. It's here. And you can tap into that the same way that Pastor Matt just shared a few minutes ago. Just setting your mind, right? Putting your mind back where it belongs. How long have we had our minds on other things? Right? These shepherds, I'm sure, had many concerns of their day. They had many things they could be thinking about, many things they could be worried about. Maybe they were wondering about, you know, what, what adversary may be coming. And yet, I guarantee you, when these angels appeared, and when all of this stuff happened, just for a moment, I bet they weren't worried about their sheep, and that would have been weird for them, but in that moment, I bet they were in awe and wonder of what they were seeing, and and that took care of everything. In the same exact way, be encouraged, saints. You can be in awe and wonder of God, even as there are concerns and things all around you that you feel like you should be aware of and be, be involved in, and yet you can be so enraptured at what God is doing that he'll handle all the rest anyway, and you can just stay there in that moment of peace and rest with him. And that's so valuable for us, and and honestly, it's something that only we have as saints. It's what we can show off to the world is rest. So here, here here are these shepherds getting an inside scoop on what God is really like. Let me ask you something. Who did Jesus ever uh, not like? Who was he ever against? 
Nobody, right? Even the Pharisees, we know that he, he tried to win them over, right? He even, he even talked to them and said, I wish you guys were blind. <laughs> I wish you guys didn't lean on your understanding and your sight. I wish you could see things my way, right? Jesus was never against anybody, but what he was against was bad shepherding. He was against those that were saying they were shepherds, and yet they were not painting any kind of a picture of what his father was like. They were making his father out to be somebody who would have a rod and a staff that maybe, maybe God used against the sheep themselves. Like, that's the kind of evil that they were painting. And it is evil, right? It is the opposite of what God is like. And so Jesus was against that the shepherding that was bad, not the people. He was against the idea that you could be justified by the law or justify or sanctified by the law or anything by the law because the law was not given for any other reason except to say what sin really was and to cause it to increase. <laughs> so it was never an attempt to, to be perfected through it. And so Jesus was against those ideas, and when he came, he would show what a true shepherd looked like. He would show uh, where he saw the source of his own strength. Jesus never walked around touting his, his godness, right, or how awesome he was. Uh, no, he, he walked around humble and said that my father is good. You call me good. Why do you call me good? He is good, right? He's pointing to, he's pointing to the bigger realities. Now, I love, I love in this moment where David, you know, he gets discounted. David, to go backwards here, he, he, he's facing off against this Goliath, you know, this shepherd boy who, who didn't go to school to be a fighter. He didn't go get trained for any of this kind of stuff. And his brothers, by the way, brothers are always good at reminding you of, of what you're lacking, you know. Uh, and so his, I got two brothers. And so his, his, his brothers uh, tell him, you know, like, why are you here, man? Like, we know you. Like, you didn't go to, you, we were out there lifting weights, you know, and you were out there petting sheep, man. Like, like why are you here right now? Like, that's what was going on. And I love what David says. He goes, look, I may only be a shepherd, but he said, I have fought with lions and I have fought with bears. And he goes, and I am not afraid of that Goliath out there, that Philistine. Maybe that's you. Maybe you feel a little, you know, similarity here where you go, man, I'm facing off against a Goliath and I need to know that my shepherd is with me. This is what a shepherd looks like. He says, listen, I knew my strength when I fought those lions and those bears and stuff wasn't me. Like, there's no way. <laughs> It's God. So God is with you right now as well. I love that Saul tries to put his armor on him, you know, tries to put his helmet on him, gives him a sword, and he's like, no, 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 none of this stuff. See, Saul represents humanity to me. You know, humanity's always trying to put their kinghood on you and say, hey, let me make you a king. Let me, let me put the king's armor on you. Let me put the earthly armor on you. Let me, let me show you what you can do in your flesh, right? And I love that David just, he turns all of that away as a, as a pointing towards what Jesus would do. And not that he wanted man's ideas or man's help, but he was going out with the power of God. And so I love this. You know the story. He walks out there and he faces off against Goliath. And Goliath sees him coming and even says, what is this? What am I, a dog that you come at me with sticks? In other words, David wasn't wearing the armor. He was carrying his stick, his staff, and he had his sling. And you know he had a few rocks ready to go. And I love this thing that he says to Goliath. He says, you come against me with sword and a spear and dart, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. And he says, Goliath, today you're going to die. You're going down. And it's to prove a point. He says that God doesn't need a sword or a spear to conquer. And I think it's a very interesting point here is that you don't have to have the weapons of warfare that you commonly think you do, right? We think we have to fight everything with our understanding. And I love instead here that David says, no, it's not about any of those things. It's about God who is an ultimate shepherd. 
Now look, if you are a sheep, there's an element of this that you have to understand. If you are a sheep, you have been given to God. You are, you are not somebody who stumbled into the pen, okay? You, didn't, you weren't wandering around out there and, and Jesus looked at you and said, hey, do you want to come in? That's not how all of that worked. In fact, the Bible says that God takes you and gives you to the Son. Now, I believe God takes everybody, and if you're willing, we'll offer you to Jesus, and you can be, you can be accepted into the entire family. But I love this, that God offers, offers you to Jesus, and, and Jesus takes you in as his sheep, where he promises you rest forever. Do you feel at rest right now at home, or wherever you are? Do you feel at rest? And I'm not talking about physical rest, although it has physical implications, I mean, spiritually, do you feel at rest? Is all well with your soul? Where you can say, Lord, even in the middle of trouble and turmoil and all of that, I'm okay. Is that how you feel? Because, you know, Paul, he said, I was being crushed. You know, I'm being destroyed. In fact, Paul puts to bed that whole phrase about God will never put you through anything that you can't handle. Well, Paul said the opposite of that. He said, no, I'm going through way more than I can handle. (laughs) And he said, it's not that God's putting me through it, it's that the world's putting me through it, but I'm finding my shepherd is with me, is what Paul would say. So even in the midst of these things, we find rest instead of fear. In fact, if you find fear, that's the opposite of rest, right? Fear will keep you from resting all day long. And if you will see yourself as a sheep that's been offered to the shepherd, the shepherd has received you as his own. He's named you. He knows you by name, and he's watching out over you. In fact, he'll carry you if you need carrying. He'll he'll take care of you in a way that's that's motherly, in fact. He'll, he'll, He'll nurture you. I wonder if that's what David was thinking about when he sat over the same hills that angels would someday sing. He's sitting on these hilltops thinking about God. He's thinking about how he just slayed the Goliath. He just did these things that should be impossible I wonder if it was then that he penned Psalm 23 and said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Can you just imagine him? He just came back, and I don't know if this is when it actually happened, but he, but he, he sits, sits there and he's penning song after song after song saying, God, I'm seeing you because I'm a shepherd I have a little bit of an understanding of what you're like. You, you just like me, you, you, you cause it to where I don't want anything. Like I, I'm good. I feel satisfied with you. I love that God leads us out into green pastures, right? He blesses us. He takes care of us. He leads us beside quiet waters. I don't know what it is about quiet waters that stands out to me in this phrase. I don't know what implications David even really meant by that. But there is just something about sitting by quiet water, isn't there? If you've ever had the, the opportunity to get out in nature, away from everything, and just sit in that stillness, I think it's awesome that God leads you to moments like that. He leads you to places like that. He restores our souls. In other words, you get, it, you get what he's saying. As a shepherd, David understood all of this. He goes, oh, yeah, I lead my sheep by waters. I, I, I give them the best pastures, you know. And, and here's David saying that if I'm this good of a shepherd, God, you are uh, way better at this than I'll ever be. So if I'm able to do these things, what must you be doing in our lives? 
See, one of the things that we don't understand in our culture, because, well, I don't know how many of us are shepherds uh, anyway, uh, but, uh, but even in our culture, we don't understand some of these things. And, and during this time, if you were a shepherd, uh, you would take your flock and from time to time would go to different areas, you know, where maybe it was too far from home, you weren't going to make it there by sun, sundown kind of thing. So you were out and about, okay? Uh, and, and what they would do is they would build uh, these little temporary uh, pens, if you will, for the sheep. They'd be made out of rocks, you know, about the A high, you know, about half your height kind of around. They'd stack all these rocks up, and they would just leave one little opening for the doorway. And in this doorway, after the sheep were all, you know, led into the pen, the shepherd would actually put his feet against one wall, his back against the other one, and he'd put his staff against the wall as well, and he'd fall asleep if he was allowed to do so. He'd fall asleep being the actual physical door to the pen, now, again, when Jesus is talking about this in a moment, this would have made sense to everybody living at that time, but he's making an incredible uh, claim here, and that he's saying that I am the door. Like, I am the one, nobody's coming in and out except by me. So he's saying, in other words, if you're in my pen, if you have been accepted, received, you're now one of my own, he says, well, there's good news. You can't ever escape. You can't ever fall out of this thing. You can't walk out of this thing. You are secure as secure can be because I am the door. <laughs> he knows when you're there. He knows what you're going through. And in fact, the way they would do this, he, he would even know by just sitting as the doorway, if there was a problem, he could hear a disturbance in the flock and he would know either something has climbed over that wall as a thief or, or, or the sheep are just not sleeping. I don't know. But um, so he says this. Let's, let's read this together. As the good shepherd, he doesn't come to test you He's holding the door. John 10, 1 through 3. Truly, truly. In other words, please, if you hear anything, hear this. I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. Now, before we go much further, understand that what he's referencing are the priests and the shepherds, if you will, who came before him. He was talking about those who were not tell, t telling the truth about what the Father was like. And he's saying that these guys are only really here to steal from you. They're only going to take life from you. They're going to take your money. They're, just, they're, they're, not, they're not seeing the truth. So he says this, he goes, But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Please don't forget that. God knows you by name, and he leads you. <laughs> How often do you just let him talk to you and just let him speak to you? Let him call you by name, in fact. Just watch what that alone does. But he's leading you. Verse 7, he says, So Jesus says to him, Truly, truly, again, please hear me. I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture or rest and blessing. The thief only comes to kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Oh, do you catch it? See, when, when David fought off against lions and bears, he had to have had the thought, as you and I would have, of this could be the end of my life. Like what I'm about to do, even if I imagine David heard a, the cry of a little sheep, I imagine he was already running towards the sheep before he probably even knew what he was doing. But at some point on that run, he had to have thought, I might die today. Like this could be it. Why? Because we're all human beings. We live on this earth, and you feel that mortality from time to time. 
And we need to be reminded, as Pastor Matt was saying, right? We need to set our minds back on who we really are, right? Knowing that our shepherd is with us. David, of course, probably also had a moment where he realized, man, why do I feel like I could rip a bear in half? You know, he, he felt the spirit of God all over him. And in the same way, you and I can have that experience too. But I am the good shepherd, and I lay down my life for the sheep. David laid down his life for his sheep. There's something about this shepherding that's important. Jesus would go on to, to, to tell the, uh, the Pharisees and those that were standing around, he would say, I have other sheep that are not a part of this fold. They're, they're not here yet. He, i, I got to bring them in too. I'm bringing in sheep that you guys don't even know I have. And he says that the Father loves me so much. He loves me because I lay down my life willingly. Jesus was not a victim. He, 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 never, he wasn't put on a cross. He got on a cross for us. Uh, the Father didn't nail him to the cross, right? We did, but he let us so he could, we could have forgiveness. Like the whole thing is so upside down to our thinking. But he is a good shepherd, which means he loved you so much even if you don't feel significant, even if you feel like nobody knows your name, he knew your name and he came after you. He would leave the 99 to come after you because you were worth it to him. They didn't let sheep just die. Ah, we can just let one go. And that was our shepherding. The father's even better at this and he's not willing to let anybody perish, right? But he wants everybody to enjoy this life that he's come to offer. He, he'd tell the Pharisees this. He goes, look, Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. God knows you. He knows you better than you know yourself. And they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. Hold on to these words. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. <laughs> my Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and, one is and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You know, I know there's probably people listening that maybe you have a family member who once believed in God and, and seemed like they loved the Lord, and then all of a sudden life happened, and, and they're, they're kind of, they seemingly seem lost out there somewhere. Maybe you are that person feeling like you are lost watching this right now. The truth of the matter is, is that God's never lost you. He's never lost track of you. The Bible says that nothing can snatch you out of his hands. You know, I know people that they got into philosophy, they got into other things that they thought maybe would take their mind to a better place than what God could do. Can I tell you that philosophy can't steal you out of God's hand? Like, no, no, nothing can take you out of his hand because he's bigger than you, and he's bigger than all the things you believe, and he said he's not going to let go because <laughs> he is your shepherd. He's your shepherd. He knows you by name, and the Bible says that if you go wandering off, he'll just go with you. <laughs> he'll just go get you and pick you up and bring you home. So right now, to every person who feels lost out there, to every family member who has lost loved ones, so to speak, out there, I pray right now in Jesus' name they would come home, that they would come home. Father, speak to those people right now, I pray. Encourage hearts across the internet, Lord, across this whole world. Lord, as I believe the lost ones are coming home, in Jesus' name, you're a good shepherd. I love this. He even talks to the Pharisees. Verse 37, he goes, if I, if, if I do not do the works of my Father, then don't believe me. 
But if I do them as a shepherd, though you do not believe me, believe the works so that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. Do you you know what he was just saying? I mean, yeah, there's miracles and he can raise people from the dead and all that. But in context with what we're talking about, he's a shepherd. He's saying a shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus knows he's about to go get on a cross. (laughs) So what he's telling them is, is if you don't believe me, then watch as I go die for the sheep. Watch, and when I die for the sheep, then you're going to know that I am the good shepherd. I love this. Even the Pharisees, even the ones that were trying to, we're just trying to please God, he shows even them. He says, listen to me. If you don't believe what I'm saying, then believe what you're about to watch, because you're going to see how much God loves you. Hebrews 4, 1 through 2 says this, Therefore, let us fear If while a promise remains for entering his rest, any of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us just as they did, talking about all of the Hebrew people of of old, all the Hebrew, uh, the the heroes, excuse me, uh, of of Israel. And he says, look, even though they they were preached to, right, that the hearing didn't profit them because it wasn't united by faith in those who heard. There were so many people who came before In fact, there was a long period of time between anybody saying anything about a coming of a Messiah or anything. There was just a dead space. There was nothing. And many people had said, well, God, where in the world are you? What what is he doing? (laughs) He's being a good shepherd. The truth is, is that you can hear good news. You can hear this word taught to you this morning. And you can actually miss the rest in it. You can hear as I did. As a 19-year-old young man, I remember hearing the story of the gospel, and it saved me. I, I, I believed, but I was never at rest. In fact, it would be many, many years later I would experience the rest that comes from the gospel because for so long I believed that the shepherd looked like this, that he was the shepherd, and he was watching to see if I was worthy of being one of his sheep. I mean, this is a special pin, right? This is, this is his. And so I remember thinking, you know, I... God, I'm just trying to be a good sheep. You know, I'm trying to follow you. I'm trying to hear your voice. I'm trying to learn your voice. And it always was kind of confusing because it says I know his voice. I'm like, well, all right, I'm trying to follow you and do right. And I never, ever felt at rest. My Christianity wore me out. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe you've been believing your whole life. You love God. You love the Lord. And yet you go, man, I am just tired. (laughs) I don't feel like I ever can reach the goal or reach where I'm supposed to be. There's a reason why God took back all of the titles. (laughs) It's because you're really bad at all of those, okay? He doesn't need you to be a shepherd. He doesn't need you to be a king. He doesn't need you to be a priest. He doesn't need need you to do anything, in fact, (laughs) except receive his shepherding. Receive his love. Where you don't have to fear a rod or a staff from God. No, he uses those against the enemy. (laughs) No, he guides you and he keeps you out of harm's way because he loves you. I don't know why, but if, but if you're at home right now, I want to give you an opportunity. I feel the Lord's in this. If you're at home and you're sitting there saying, I've never felt like I measured up. I never felt like I could do enough for God. I never felt like I could be a part of enough ministries and do enough things. And, or maybe you shipwrecked your faith. Maybe like everything just came to a crash and you never really recovered. Will you hear me today? The Father, the shepherd, is calling you home. And he's not asking you to walk. He's asking to pick you up, put you on his shoulders, and carry you home so that you can have rest for your soul. Rest.
All you have to do is receive it. Let him pick you up. Hebrews eleven thirty nine 39 says, And all of these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had promised something better for us, so that apart from us, they could not be made perfect. See, all the ones that came before Abraham, he had an awesome relationship with God. That was pretty cool. There was David, Moses, and all these guys had great faith and saw great things. And yet, I love that the writer of Hebrews is telling all of his brothers and sisters, saying, guys, but all of those guys never saw the rest that I'm talking about that comes from the shepherd. The good shepherd had to come. He had to come create a new path and a new way so that we could enjoy this rest. Jesus said it was finished and he meant it. (laughs) Let's read one more passage of scripture together. Hebrews chapter eight, verse one through two, and then verse six says this. Now the main point in what has been said is this. We have a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens. Just stop and close your eyes and just think about what that might even look like. A minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle, which the Lord created, not man. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on better promises. He made something better than the world had ever seen. He shepherds better than the world has ever seen. He is absolutely perfect as a shepherd. He perfectly protects you. He perfectly comes to you and gives you what you need. He perfectly does it all because he obtained a better ministry by making a deal with God himself. See, the the new covenant's not based on you and me and our promises. I don't know if you were like me, but at 19, half of the reason why I got myself in so much trouble is because I kept promising God I was going to do better. Have you ever done that? God, I promise. This time I'm going to get it. This time I'm not going to yell at that guy. This time I'm going to, you know, I promise you, God, I promise. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and let you in on a little secret. God's not holding you to any of those promises. (laughs) Because he already knew you weren't going to keep him anyway, okay? So, so you've not fooled God even once. He's not disappointed in you because he knows everything. And that's the incredible picture of our father, is that he knew all the mistakes you were going to make. He knew all of the things you were going to promise him and promise him and promise him. But the only person he actually is ever going to hold to their promise is Jesus. It's his own son. And he knows his own son will keep his promise. So this thing that you and I are standing on, this salvation that we're standing on, it all hinges on Jesus, not you. It's not based on your performance. It's based on his performance that he performed performed perfectly. So that is your shepherd. You have a perfect shepherd who demonstrates to even those who hated him that God goes after the ones that are lost, puts them on the shoulders. And he even says that when you carry that little lamb home, he says that he was celebrating and, 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 and excited the entire way. He says there's more joy in heaven over one, one sinner than over the 99 that were righteous and safe. He loves saving sheep. He loves saving people. That's what his heart is like. And if you'd like to receive that today, you can. You can say, God, I want to be one of your sheep. And the fact of the matter is, you can't even say those words if God wasn't already giving you those words to say. So be encouraged, even in the thought of saying, God, I, I, I want to be a part. 
that even that came from him. He loves you. And if you're watching this and you're listening, it's meant for you. He loves you. He wants you. He's named you. And he wants to shepherd you. Will you let him? Will you let him lead you to rest? Will you let him lead you to still waters? And what's even, what's even better is as sheep, he gives some of this to us. And he says, whatever you do to the least of those around you, the shepherds out there, the ones that look like, oh, what, what are they worth, you know? If you, whatever you do to even the least of those, you do to me. Because I'm in the Father, and we are in the Father with him. Like, that's the relationship. He is a very, very good shepherd. And I hope this morning that you will find encouragement, whether you're facing off against a Goliath, whether the politics of the world today have got you feeling down and worn out, and let's set our minds, right, on who our shepherd is. The President of the United States of America, that's not my shepherd. <laughs> I don't care who it is. My shepherd is him, and he gives me rest even when my world is upside down. Father, we thank you so much. <sighs> what do we even thank you for, Lord? It would take forever. <laughs> but we thank you for being our shepherd, that we can trust you, that you don't hurt us, you don't test us, you're not putting us through things to see what we can handle. <laughs> no, you lead us by still waters. You, you nourish us. You give peace to our souls. And Lord, that's what I pray over everybody listening right now. It's peace. That same peace that came to earth. That same peace that caused us to be able to see your love for us. I pray it would just swell up inside of every single person who needs it right now. Peace. In Jesus' name. Lord, we trust you to be weak. We trust you to walk this, this world out in a way that allows you to be strong in us. And God, I pray that the world, I pray the whole world would see you as the good shepherd. And that they would see that by how well the sheep are cared for. Lord, let us show off and praise and demonstrate you for how good you are as our shepherd. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.